with Amber is we're building a company that is positioned to enable everyone in Australia to benefit from the value of renewable energy. And things such as smart shift, automating customer devices is integral to that if we want to start to meeting the shift the dial. Thanks for tuning into our ROF podcast. We love having you here, and it is our mission to bring you the latest and greatest sustainable tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you've got it in you, and we're going to show you how. Now, let's rough it. Hello, everybody. Um, here is Alex from Reducing Our Footprint. We are very privileged to have here with us today uh, Hugh from uh, Amber Electric. Uh, Hugh is currently head of operations at Amber. He runs the day-to-day business of Amber, including onboarding, billing, and leading uh, customer support function. Hugh has done a variety of work, largely oriented around social impact. Prior to joining Amber, you were working in Africa for 18 months, microfinance in Rwanda, and then cleantech in Lesotho. Uh, Hugh is a co-founded and co-runs um, AUS Disability Non-for-Profit Wheels in Motion, aimed at empowering people living with disabilities. You worked for a handful of years in management consulting in Melbourne and grew up in country Victoria on a sheep and cattle farm. So quite an adventure, I guess. You went through a lot of different roles and different experiences. Like, Great to have you on board. Uh, it's great to be with you, Alex. Thanks for having me. Maybe let's start with you know a bit of um, hearing a bit about you and, and your journey done many different things and I think it'd be great to yeah to hear about it. Yeah, as you mentioned, I grew up on a sheep and cattle farm near Ega in country Victoria, which is fantastic and very close to me now still and it was a great childhood. I I went to Melbourne though in, in my mid teens to a far bigger school and pretty quickly became involved in social initiatives there. The the school I was at was was pretty into that and so I quickly became pretty heavily involved in things such as the forty hour famine the Make Poverty History campaign and quickly developed a bit of an affinity with things that orientated around social impact, orientated around sort of social justice work. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to then go on a, a trip to, to Zambia with World Vision to, to visit one of the schools we funded over there in, in an effort. And I think there it was a pretty remarkable experience to have at a young age, you know, even more so growing up in a very small country town as well. And from there, it sort of galvanized my interest in that space, broadly international development. And, you know, coming back to Australia, I, I sort of it narrowed my focus a little bit and became very passionate, you know, a little bit idealistic, which is always helpful when you're a little bit younger as well, you know, and making concerted effort towards what can I do in order to help improve the quality of life of those who may need it. And so kind of following on from there, I, I tried a few different things. I worked at a few different not-for-profit international development organizations as well. and I thought that I needed some probably business grit to my experience and a bit of experience to be able to say what kind of impact can I have dependent on the organization I went to. So I tried my hand at a handful of years of working in management consulting to sort of get that commercial experience and in parallel kind of satiated my interest in that social impact work uh, on the side. And as you mentioned, started an off-for-profit in the disability space with a bunch of friends that certainly kept us busy, but again, something else to feel pretty passionate about and that's around changing the conversation around disability in Australia, trying to address the stigma and low expectations associated with disability. And so I, I jumped around a, a little bit, but after about three years in management consulting, I thought, right, it's, it's time to pop over back over to, to Africa and start getting back involved in the work that's happening over there 
and uh, I was fortunate enough to get into this program uh, with an organization called Kiva and, and was based in Rwanda for six months in microfinance. And so I was working with a few different organizations that in effect provided small loans to predominantly women's groups to help them grow their business and scale up and so on. A fantastic organization and a wonderful experience. And I quickly got pretty heavily involved and interested in what was happening in clean tech, sort of renewable energy in East Africa and Africa more broadly. And from there, I found an opportunity down in Lesotho, down in Southern Africa, uh, to work for an organization that was providing off-grid technology solutions to people mainly living in rural areas down in Lesotho and uh, worked down in Lesotho for another seven or eight months uh, working in operations, providing these effectively solar power cook stoves for people to use and cook with and charge their phone and use an LED light. So incredible experience. I came back to Australia, went back and worked on the farm for a couple of years. My dad seemingly liked to get these rapid contrasting experiences, jumping from farm to Africa to um, the city. And as I, I was trying to determine what to do next. I increasingly over the years have become interested in this intersection of social or environmental impact and commercial viability, where your efforts, you have a business model underpinning your ambition that enables you to scale up what you're doing and not rely on government grants or what have you. We're speaking with a few people. I was very interested in getting in the renewable energy space, was connected with Chris, one of the founders at Amber Electric, and joined them about 18 months ago as the first time, uh, first full-time employee at Amber. Fantastic. What a journey. I'd like to actually, uh, maybe offline, we can talk about some of these experiences as well a bit more, but uh, great, um, I'm sure great experiences done in Africa, you know, that also kind of pivoted you towards um, renewable energy and, and the role you are in uh, today. So maybe we can talk a bit about, about that, a bit about Amber. So um, for our audience that might not know the organization, what exactly is Amber all about? And, uh, and then what, what role do you play? Amber is a new kind of electricity provider built for a renewable energy future. And so with Amber, we pass on the wholesale rate of electricity. So customers can benefit from cheap renewable times of power being generated in the grid. So on the traditional model of electricity, retailers pass on a fixed tariff for you to use electricity. But in reality, the price of electricity changes every 30 minutes on the wholesale price. So with Amber, with Amber for $10 a month, you get access to that fluctuating price of electricity that is largely driven by the renewables in the grid. So in the middle of the day, for example, when the sun is shining, it means that there's lots of solar-generated power going into the grid, which lowers prices, meaning power is generally cheaper during those times. At night, when there's more wind, for example, again, there's lower prices at those times. And so with the Amber model, it's empowering customers to all of a sudden, for the first time, be able to benefit from cheaper renewable times of power. And so Chris and Dan were kind of trying to come up with certain ways with a broader view of trying to get Australia to 100% renewable energy generation. And there's sort of a couple of ways to do this. We know that probably at the moment, there's around 20 25% generation in Australia by renewable energy sources. And so in order to get it to 100%, there's the option, and this will be included in the plan, to get there of storage, so you store some of that power, still incredibly expensive to do so. But another way, another alternative, which is kind of born out of the AMBER model, is enabling customers to shift their times of usage when there's more renewable energy generating in the grid. And so customers can do this, and we enable that through the app. So you can check your app to see, right, it's cheap at the moment, this is a good time to use power, 
You know that a lot of renewable energy generation is coming in. But ultimately, what we're moving towards and what we've started this year as a project is to start to automate customers' devices for them, their large devices for them, so it can automatically respond to the wholesale price of electricity. So household, household batteries, pool pumps, large devices such as these hot water systems that we can automatically control determined, as determined by what the price is. So that's Amber's model in a bit of a nutshell. The idea is broadly giving customers access to greener, cheaper power um, and empowering them to adjust their behavior mm. to then change the landscape. Great. Just so I understand, uh, just so I'm, I'm clear, do, to have access to uh, cheaper renewable energy or energy produced from renewables, you mentioned that customers will have to, they have access for an app, right? So they can see the fluctuations and also understand when it's best to utilize power. What if I'm a customer, for example, that doesn't necessarily want to do that, right? I just want everything to be kind of automated for me. Like I don't have the time. I'm just thinking out loud here because, you know, some people might just be too time poor or busy, but they still obviously want to benefit from your, from your service. How, how does that function in that case? It's a great question. And, you know, I've got a great uh, case in point, and that's my parents. My parents are not tech savvy. Uh, they are not overly interested in the energy market. However, they're with Amber and generally saving money. Now, because we do have the app and because we do have the pass-through wholesale rate of electricity, doesn't mean that you have to have your behavior corresponding to what the prices are. Okay. Generally speaking, when you're with Amber across the period, purchasing electricity at the wholesale rate, at this rate, is generally cheaper than the broken traditional model, which is a traditional retailer purchasing electricity, putting a big markup on it, yep. fixing that rate, and then passing it on to the customer. So the customer is just paying 28 cents per kilowatt hour throughout the whole day, the whole time. Yeah. Now with Amber, we're saying, right, you can have access to that fluctuating price for $10, but it's just generally far cheaper. Now it goes up and down a little bit across the year, but generally speaking, it is cheaper. And for those customers that do want to, say, for example, engage in what we're calling demand response. So for example, you've got a load of a dishwasher, dishwashing load to put on that you can check the Amber app. And it's best to avoid if it's quite expensive, whatever it may be. But it's up to customers to determine how much they want to engage. Okay. If I understand correctly, then you're, you're basically achieving several benefits, right, with, uh, with your services. One is cost savings. Two is you're driving behavioral change because people kind of might be interested, obviously, understanding fluctuations. So even if they're coming from a, a place that they're not tech savvy, they're not interested because of the service that you provide, it kind of engages them a bit more. And perhaps they, they will become more more conscious of that, which I think is good. So it changes behavior and understanding of when it's good to use power. And then you're also driving, obviously, renewables, right? Because you you purchase from, I guess, mostly solar, wind. I don't know. Wh- where is where is the electricity coming from? So the power that you use to turn on your light in your room, you can't determine exactly where that power comes from. Right. It is effectively you have generators that generate the electricity, whether it's coal, gas, wind, hydro, whatever. They generate the electricity, pour it into the grid. The grid is the poles and wires, and they're separate companies. They have generators. You then have the grid. And at the end, you have electricity providers and retailers and so on, and they do your billing and customer support and so on. So with Amber, what we're saying is that generally, if you are using power when the prices are lower and there's more renewable energy generation going in, that means that you're building demand for renewable energy projects. And so they're effectively becoming more commercially viable because you're using power at the times when renewable energy is generating. 
Yeah. Is there also, um, I had a conversation a few weeks ago with somebody from, from Green Power, right? So that's like a, a certification uh, body that certifies that, you know, energy is coming from renewable uh, sources, so to speak. Is there any way that through Amber, you can also tap into Green Power or how, how does that? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So customers have the option to, they can opt into Green Power. And so every customer that joins Amber, we offset their carbon emissions. So that is the default. We'll do that for each of the customer. And the customer, if they are even more conscious and want to be even more sustainable, then they can opt in for what's called green power, which is this sort of government-led initiative, which effectively says that we will buy, we will purchase certificates that will offset your emissions that will invest into Australian renewable energy generation projects. So customers have that option they can opt into yeah. uh, if they do want to go that extra mile in terms of being sustainable and investing in Australian renewable energy projects. Great. Thanks for clarifying that. I guess um, just elaborating further, I was looking at your website and you have this uh, new project in the coming soon, I guess, Smart Shift, is that right? I just briefly had a look, but um, maybe you can share a little bit more about that. Definitely. So as I touched on before, I think that Amber's model will become in- incredibly powerful to the point at the point where we have many, many, many customers yeah. and we are starting to shift meaningful usage into times of renewable energy generation. Now, you can move the needle a little bit in terms of individual customers changing their usage. And we saw that last summer when we could see the load curve changing towards raw renewable energy generation times, which is brilliant. But the point that this becomes incredibly powerful is where we can start shifting large devices for customers to these times of renewable energy generation. Okay. And so what Smart Shift is doing, this is sort of the technology that we're building and a project that we have in South Australia uh, kicked off this year yeah. is that for, I think, around 800 to 1,000 customers, we will be automating and controlling their household devices to respond to the price automatically. So for household batteries, pool pumps, and hot water systems, so devices that use quite a little bit of power, yeah. we will either integrate directly with the household battery or use a third-party device on the other two devices to then set an algorithm that says affect something to the effect of if price drops below X cents per kilowatt hour, then switch on and start using. If goes above, then stop. And so we can automatically, without any effort from the customer and collectively all at the same time, start shifting these devices to times where it's far cheaper for the customer and to times where it's renewable energy being generated in the system. And so smart shift is Kind of more broadly, we're talking this initiative and this technology, and we're kicking things off in South Australia to to do it. And and you know, it's it's not without its challenges. It's a very difficult thing to do, and and really, no one's doing it well in Australia at all, and across the globe. And I think part of the reason for that is it you need a model such as Amber's for it to be compelling for all parties. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's incredibly compelling for the customer and for for Amber, and then broadly for the sector if you have a model that enables the customer to benefit as well. So uh, it's incredibly exciting. And this is where I think we're going to start making some serious impact in terms of pushing towards times where renewable energy being generated in the grid and and, and changing the landscape around uh, emissions and, and generation in Australia. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I can envisage, you know, all these devices obviously connecting, right, through amber and renewable energy. So switching on and off, like you were saying, when energy is cheap and generated from renewables. So it's kind of a 
the internet of things, right? That linked them to, um, with energy, essentially, if I understand that correct. So that sounds uh, very exciting. So is that also, I mean, are you having these conversation also with manufacturers? I mean, will the private sector, I mean, like appliance manufacturer, is that something that has to be integrated long-term with this technology or how does that work? Yeah, that's right, Alex. So we, for this project in South Australia, you know, we're working with the South Australian government, but we do have partnerships with battery inverter manufacturers so we yeah. can integrate directly with their battery inverter. Yeah. So it does, and, and then similarly for these third-party devices that enable us to then integrate with a hot water service, for example, or right. for us to integrate the software with a bit of hardware on the pool pump. So it is heavily reliant on collaboration and partnership throughout the sector in a very you know convoluted, complicated <laughs> uh, sector that does rely heavily on you know collaboration and partnership, uh, of which is essential to any sort of meaningful change. It seems to be, it seems to be going off quite smoothly at the moment. And a lot of parties, you know, can see how important this is and can see like the enormous benefit that can be derived from such initiatives. Fantastic. So also just for my personal interest, I guess we were talking about batteries, right? And, um, I also had a conversation or we, we did a, a webinar a couple of weeks ago and we we're talking about you know, the adoption of, of batteries now and that, you know, that's obviously going to grow more and more but there's still a bit of um there's still challenges right i mean in terms of costs uh, etc what what are the challenges i guess for for battery adoption that you see because i'm not i'm not so um i don't know as much as about that as you would the from from my understanding alex that you know the numbers of household batteries are increasing yeah. uh, but not rapidly and my understanding is that the unit economics of batteries are not quite there just yet both from a manufacturing point of view and a customer point of view I don't think it's there quite yet is my understanding from whatever I've had some discussions and, and being in the industry. That's not to say that there is no benefit from getting them or for customers shouldn't get them at all. It's more speaking to probably the manufacturing side and what's necessary in terms of inputs to be able to produce a battery and then make it accessible on the market as well. There's probably a lot of factors there and invest, necessary investment and rebates and so on. To therefore make it accessible, I, it's trending in the right direction, and yeah. ultimately, I think it'll it'll, it'll get there. Uh, and you will have a whole host of battery customers throughout Australia that will speak really, really highly of experience and cost saving and so on. And I think I'm, and what's what I said before is also pertinent here: is if you have Amber's model available to you, then having a battery becomes incredibly compelling. You can all of a sudden seriously, seriously benefit from having both amber and a battery. So say, for example, you have a battery, household battery, but you're with a traditional retailer and your cents per kilowatt hour is fixed or only two rates, then you're limited very much by when you can charge and discharge from your battery. Whereas if you have a fluctuating price, you can then seriously start to engage and benefit there. Well, I guess with batteries, it's a bit the conversation that uh, happened with solar panels. You know, in, in the past, like we needed to hit that critical mass where the unit cost just dropped dramatically. And, and a lot of that was um, led by, by, by Chinese manufacturers, as a matter of fact, and just adoption in China of solar, like the widely adoption of solar in China that drove the prices down. So um, so now, you know, we will benefit from relatively cheap solar panels and we can install them on our roofs. There's also the rebates coming in from, from states. I think Victoria has you know, the solar panel program, yes, that is currently available. So I guess like you said, if the economies of scale are there and there's also the government support, I think then the two things work hand in hand and, and there will be more adoption and, you know, people can benefit from the batteries and, and utilizing the service of the Amber as well, which, which would be really a, 
a win-win. Great. And we already spoke a bit about what, what is the, what's happening at Amber in terms of, um, you know, um, smart shift. Uh, are there any other like projects or what is the, what are your priorities for the next, uh, mm. for the next year for 2021? Yeah. I think, you know, talking about batteries and the landscape and I guess the future and Amber and something that's probably worth calling out. And one where I feel a lot of conversations need to at least acknowledge and have this foundation as the start of the conversation. And that is that, Recently, relatively recently, renewable energy is now the cheapest form of energy generation in Australia. Yeah. Now, if that's your starting point, then it gives you a whole lot of hope, right? I mean, the challenge used to be the unit economics didn't make sense of renewable energy and, and all this sort of thing. And I think that increasingly the conversation needs to be, well, how do you integrate the renewable energy into the grid that makes sense? And that's where we talk about how you enable customers to shift their load or you have large storage and so on. And Australia is, I think, leading um, one of the leaders in household rooftop solar. It's around 20% in Australia. And so there are these things that are fill you with hope and incredibly promising when you think about Australia. There are a whole suite of challenges and complications uh, in a very complex industry. But I think if you focus on pulling out these key fundamental things, such as renewable energy being the cheapest form of generation, as well as empowering customers to benefit both their hip pocket, but then also the environment. And these are kind of the key things I think that you need to use as kind of guides and milestones or demarcations and where you should be navigating and directing and focusing your efforts. And that's where things like smart shifts tend to make sense, right? It's acknowledging these certain things and pulling these levers to work these variables in your favour. So I think moving for us at Amber, the focus is moving forward to continue to provide a product and a service that is innovative, is different, um, is incredibly easy to use, that makes economic sense and is one that is positioned for a future of renewable energy. And I think that's one that we come back to with Amber is we're building a company that is positioned to enable everyone in Australia to benefit from the value of renewable energy and things such as smart shift, automating customers' devices is integral to that if we yeah. want to start to immediately shift the dial. And so at Amber at the moment, we're, you know, we're rapidly scaling and a big focus of ours at the moment as well is how do we build a company that is an incredible place to work and that we're bringing in incredible people who want to have a good time, take care of each other and that are very passionate about this broader ambition that we have at Amber of getting Australia to 100% renewable energy. I think that if we continue to focus, use that as sort of the North Star or the guiding star for us, then these other things will, you know, collect along the way and, and will get us along the path to uh, ultimately, ultimately get us there. Fantastic. Um, how do people, um, how would people connect with you, Hugh, if they want to uh, tap into Amber services? They can check us out on yeah. our website, which is amberelectrics.com.au. And at the moment, we have a wait list to join Amber. Uh, we have a, a wait list of sort of a self-replenishing wait list of 10,000 people, and we're, we're gradually onboarding customers as we go. But please go to Amber, check out our website, sign up there to our wait list, and you will start to receive emails from us as we take you along this sort of educational journey about electricity, about renewable energy, how Amber works. And a big part of joining Amber is understanding these things. It takes a little longer than two minutes to understand Amber, but it is what I've sort of noticed that people increasingly these days want to understand how products and services are ending up at their doorstep, right? And Amber's no different. And I think that people are trying to understand 
how electricity works and what the relationship is with climate change and sustainability. With Amber, I think that you get this incredible education about how all these things kind of conflate and work and what your involvement and what your impact can be. And so as soon as you sign up to the website, you'll be, you know, jumping on the train and learning all you can about Amber and, and the market and probably the, the best first step. Fantastic. Thanks very much. That was really great. Thanks for sharing you know, your inspirational story and what Amber is all about with our audience. I just wanted to conclude with um, leave you say some last uh, some last words. Any concluding message you, you might want to share before we wrap up? Yeah, there are increasing number of people that are wanting to engage to some degree in this broader issue of climate change, and you have great organisations such as yours that are trying to provide platforms and organisations and touch points for people to learn more, engage, and change their behaviour in some way that can benefit the environment or their community. I think that's fantastic. I think that energy, as most people know, is a pretty key variable here when it comes to climate change and not dissimilar to a lot of things that you're, who you sign up with to provide your electricity, what something is typically for a lot of people, something a little bit of a grudge purchase or it's a little bit mundane or whatever. This can be all of a sudden pretty powerful and meaningful from reducing your emissions. And I wouldn't, I'd encourage people to check it out, read more about it and see it as an opportunity where you can have a pretty significant impact. These small things really do matter. And if, if it's married together with excellent technology, incredible customer support and joining part of a community, then I think it's a bit of a, a no brainer. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Alex. Pleasure. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We hope you enjoyed the talk and got a lot out of it. A big thank you also to our guest speakers. Stay tuned for more sustainable talks and tips. Bye for now.